Welcome to show 143, Desert Wildcrafting Herb Lab. Today's show is brought to you by Get Healthy Now with Candice. Candice, Get Healthy Now with Candice. Candice offers herbal consultation for folks near and far, and she is accepting new clients right now. If you want to make herbs a part of your health care path, contact Candice at gethealthynowwithcandice.com. Hunter Creation, graphic design and website designers, uh, putting your marketing ideas into reality from business cards to websites. They've got you covered. Visit them at huntercreation.com. Occupy Medical. Occupy Medical is a free street reach integrated health clinic, and we are in Eugene, Oregon. Healthcare is a human right. We're a 501c3, so if you are interested in donating, why, happily, you can just go to occupy-medical.org and send us a wonderful donation, and we'll be happy to get you a tax, uh, what are they called, tax receipts? That's what it is. That's no, what yeah. I'm going to call it. Yeah. It's a donation receipt. Yeah, a donation receipt. receipt. Yep. Thank you for supporting healthcare for all. All right. I use an Ace High Heat Graphics. Um, custom and printed tees for as low as five and a quarter of a piece. You can get your group or organization having a great way to fundraise. Contact them at acehighheatgraphics.com. And um, Sue Sierra Lupe Consulting. Yeah, Sierra Lupe Herbal Consulting. I'm a clinical herbalist, have been since 2006. I do in-home and distance consultations in conjunction with existing diagnosis and or medication. You can contact me at sue at practicalherbalist.com or check out my Facebook page. And the Herbal Nerd Society for $4.99 a month or $49.99 a year, you can become a member of the society and help support the Practical Herbalist and Real Herbalism Radio and all the awesome information that we give out. If you sign up for a year, you get basically two months for free, and that's as low as 17 cents a day if you can beat that. And with the Herbal Nerd Society um, package, if you will, you get access to all the past podcasts. You get special Let's Talk series with um, an intimate conversation with herbalists for about 10 or 15 minutes. You get ad-free reading of the website, Mm -hmm. and you get special articles catered to the Herbal Nerd Society members. So if you ever wonder why when you go to a cool article on our website and you can't read it, a big splash page pops up. It's because that content is for Herbal Nerd Society members. Yes. It's an exclusive little present for them for their support of us. Right. So you can join by going to practicalherbalist.com and go to the very, very top menu. It says join now. And there's a little link and button. And there you go. You're all set. All right. So time to talk desert wildcrafting herbs with um, Christina Sanchez. Sanchez. (laughs) Yeah, I I mix up a name and thought something else. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And And welcome welcome to to Real Herbalism Radio. Radio. Oh, it's always lovely to have Christina. And she's so so inspirational. She really is. Yeah. Now, here's for the listeners that do not know behind the scenes. It was Candace that brought Christina Sanchez to us in the first place. Mm-hmm. Because San- Candace is our world traveler. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I had the opportunity to go down and visit her almost in her native area. Mm-hmm. We were actually in Anaheim, California. So one of the places that she off and on calls home, but not the desert. Right. Yeah. I would love to go see her place in the desert. Oh, yeah. yeah. That would be nice. That now, be I fun. really enjoyed going to the Mojave Desert mm-hmm. when I was brave enough to travel. Yeah. <laughs> and it was yeah. fabulous. It was absolutely fabulous. I'd like to go down there again, especially yeah. knowing what I know now 
via Christina about right. those herbs down there. Yeah, I would love to do a desert or one of her desert herb walks. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. It was that. amazing going to Death Valley. When I went mm-hmm. down there, we stopped by Death Valley. And oh my gosh, just the plants were so different that we had, my family had pulled uh, off on the road just to go, oh, look, here's a sand dune, kids. Check this out. And we hadn't even got to de- Desert Valley. And there was like five, six different plants. There weren't very many plants out there. Oh, yeah. But the ones that were looked completely alien. They looked like they were on a science fiction right? uh, <laughs> site or something for me. So I was amazed by them. I took mm-hmm. all these pictures and, oh, they were fabulous. And now I know a little bit more. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not from that area, so I wouldn't call myself an expert at all. But now I at least have I know where to look to find out what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can understand what she was saying about wildcrafting down there is is really, really delicate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Desert magic isn't something to play with, you know? Right. I mean, it's not a toy. Yeah. <laughs> when your plants are few and far between and they have to work really hard at defending themselves, yeah. it's important to honor that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even when I'm using the herbs that I use that Christina's given me, I use much smaller quantities mm-hmm. than I do of the herbs that are from the more lush valley. Yeah. Because I reckon that desert medicine is going to be everything I've ever, every experience I've had with desert medicine is that it's really intense and it's tightly packed. Mm-hmm. So a teeny bit goes a really long way. Yeah, that's so very true. that's how I use the plants. When I am fortunate enough to receive them, a little bit will go really, really far. Yeah. Yeah. She sent us a package of of desert plants. Gosh, was it February of 2018? And yeah, I'm still just taking pinches off of that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to make some. What was the most, the most, uh, the one that I used last was her Laria, Mm -hmm. the Chaparral. Yeah. So I made that into some oil for my arthritis. Nice. And it has been, at least for osteoarthritis, it mm-hmm. has been really great. Nice. So you have to be very careful when you're using that because it's, I mean, I've had, I, I keep forgetting for somebody else, of course, I'm like, well, this is an autoimmune disease blah, 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 mm-hmm. and it's really easy for me to, to, to figure out a protocol for people because I've done it so often. But when it's for you yourself, <laughs> <laughs> forget it. So I have to use a completely different protocol because I know I'm not going to be very good at doing every single day stuff. I do right. take my ashwagandha every, every day. day. I'm good very job. good with that. It's I put it It's in my bedroom on my bookshelf for, you know, the All 5 right. billion books that I read. You're right. just yeah. as bad. Oh, Candace, yeah. You're just yeah. as bad. I just don't keep them in the bedroom. I populate the whole house. With oh, them. yes, yeah. yes. That's <laughs> very good. I got my little pile and there's ashwagandha yeah. at the top. So I get up in the morning and there it is. Just give myself mm-hmm. a squirt and nice. You know, off we go to the races. But that that uh chaparral all oh, for the mm-hmm. arthritis that I have has been working fabulously. Nice. You know? Nice. So yeah, I really appreciate her. And I didn't have to use that much and got very potent. Oh and yeah. It's an, strong stuff. Yeah, and I was thinking about it because I kept the chaparral uh the the plant matter mm-hmm. in the oil. I didn't strain right. it off. Yeah. Good. So I figure with residents, resi- residents, 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 <laughs> sorry, uh, resinous plants like that. One of the things that Patty Leahy taught me mm-hmm. was uh, particularly with a uh, balm of Gilead, mm-hmm. very resinous, a poplar is what we're using, not the one from the Middle East. Uh, you just take, you take the plant and you put the oil in there and you, you can take off what you need for, you know, the time that you need it. 
and you don't have to change out that resinous plant. It's not right. going to rot. Right. Yeah. It'll. It's good. Yeah. So that come time for you need some more, you just add some more oil. Right. And you can keep this going for a couple of years. Right. Yeah. So I, I've ch- checked out Patty's uh, Balmagilead, cotton, mm-hmm. you know, the cottonwood yeah. oil, and it is absolutely fabulous. At, at year four, she was looking at it, and, and I've known her for several years. Right. And checked it out, and she's like, I, I, I sense this is starting to retire a bit. It's still like eye-watering, but, and she's not even, she's not hot processing that at all. Right. Yeah. She just sticks it in a jar, covers in oil and that's good. Yeah. And lets it be. Yep. Exactly. So I figure for the chaparral, it would be the same kind of thing. Yeah. And I've kind of monkeyed around with that with myrrh before, Mm -hmm. because even when you're heating it, the myrrh is not breaking down. No. Hardly at all. It it will slowly, slowly dissolve. And I'm putting it in a jar with a, a towel over it in the sun. Right. You know, I don't like exposing my herbs after they've been picked to to the sun light because it'll break down any flavonoids. Right. But yeah, even with that. Right. It's, it's, you still got a clump down there and yeah. I'm too cheap to waste that. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. So that, that I'm going to give that a try and I really appreciate her. I know that there's uh Creosote all over the place, but for her to spend the time to get some for us, that yeah. was really, really nice. Yeah, I love that stuff. So I'm very happy. Her, she was talking about sage a lot too. Do Do you have experience working with that desert sage? A tiny bit from way back when, but I just switched over to using the garden garden sage because it's what grows locally and close yeah. to me. So I figure it's probably better adjusted to the same climate that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And to whatever it is I'm facing, so yeah, I notice the difference. I, I've gotten some sage from the desert here, Eastern mm-hmm. Oregon sage, yeah. and I don't even know if that's a true sage or not. Yeah. Uh, it's a, a they call it a white sage. It looks white. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> back when I collected it, I wasn't even paying attention to that. I was just overwhelmed by the smell of it. And, yeah, um, that had amazing shelf life. Yeah, whereas the garden sage that we have here, shelf life is not not as good. Yeah, I've I haven't had problems with it, but it's possibly because I tend to just pick what I need when I need it because yeah. it's in such abundance all year round here that, you know, why would I not why would I waste my time drying it and mm-hmm. waste myself shelf space with it? Right, right. Um, as a smudge stick, it it seems to last just fine, but you know, that's, that's the only way I've really used it where it would have to have a shelf life as it were. Mm-hmm. And that's for smudging. So yeah. And I, huh. even at that, I don't make tons of those. I make a few each year. And usually by the time I'm making the next set, I've used up everything that I had. Since you have a, a so. bird in your house, the mm-hmm. the parrot that listeners will sometimes hear a little, or I did it in my chicken impersonation, but yeah. whatever the parrot <laughs> says, do you have to be careful about smudges? I don't worry about smudging as much. I don't do anything with wax, though. So no wax candles of any sort, including beeswax in Mm -hmm. my house, because that can cause emphysema for parrots over the long term. Their um, lung tissues are much finer than ours. So any wax that's dissolved in the air will get into their respiratory system and it will slowly collect. Mm. And then they have really long lives. So, you know, when they're 80 or 90 years old, they're going to be having problems. Oh, so and you can end up with a shorter lifespan because of having done that. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. But you don't feel uh, about having the smudges that that's a problem at all? With I don't worry about it that much. I figure she doesn't complain. I don't notice any respiratory issues with her. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I mean, our it's house. It's like you're doing a lot. We live in a, in a you know, Willamette Valley house. It kind of leaks like a sieve. So I'm not, <laughs> you know, I mean, all the times that I've tried to repair the leaks and get gaskets, better gaskets for the door and all that, it's mm-hmm. still very drafty. Mm-hmm. So my reckoning is that, well, you know. Your house is, breathes. Yes, it's yeah. probably breathing well enough. And mm-hmm. we do have good air filters, filtration in the house. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I haven't worried about that that much. So for desert herbs, other than the sage and the creosote, like you were talking before our show a little bit about formula put together. Right. right. I What I ended up doing this last week, um, because I'm not going to get out to the desert to wildcraft. Mm-hmm. And it's hay fever season, so I'm not going to get out anywhere to wildcraft. The wildcrafting I'm doing comes from inside my house. So, you know, I might pick lettuce off my tower garden. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, you know, harvest some Tulsi off of my arrow garden. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's all indoor pretty much. Mm-hmm. So instead of wildcrafting, what I did was I used wildcrafted herbs to make a tea for myself. Oh, and what and, was in that? And the tea is actually technically a decoction. And I used herbs that Christina gave me. So one of them was Mormon tea, which is called Nefeta. The, the one she, sorry. The one she gave me is ephedra nevadensis. Nevadensis. I'm not going to judge you. I have a hard time saying that word. It's just wrong. Mm -hmm. So that's the Mormon tea she sent me. And I used yerba santa. So the ectro, aereo. Aereodictin. Thank you. Mm Aereodictin triocalyx, Mm -hmm. trichocalyx. And then I also used a little bit of the chaparral. Nice. And I used primarily the Mormon tea. That was the biggest one. Right. I went lighter with the Yerba Santa because as she's said, and and she's so right, a little goes a really long way with that one. It's a strong tasting herb. Yes, it's very strong tasting. Yes. (laughs) And so those two are the ones that she said she like recommended highly for respiratory stuff, Mm -hmm. asthma and similar. And a lot of asthma nowadays is more about inflammation. So I'm like thinking, okay, that's similar to allergies. It's the same thing happens for me and my lungs get inflamed. My respiratory system gets inflamed. So these two herbs together should be cooling and draining. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I added the creosote partly because I really like it, but also because our climate is so damp and dampness is one of the problems I have. Ah. And I figured it should offer, I know it's gently moistening, um, so it should offer that little bit of moisture to balance out the drying formula I have. Mm -hmm. And then it's also like antifungal, so it should help with, you know, cleaning up the mess that results from the dampness of my climate. Sure. And yeah. the fact that my body doesn't give up dampness. I'm I'm a damp person. You're apparently. a sponge. Yeah, I'm a spongy sort of person. So <laughs> I don't let go of the water very easily. So I figured creosote will help um, clean up the mess as a result. And then I decided to add one local herb, which was the mullen that we harvested together ah, last yes. year. So verbascum 
Thapsis, yeah. yeah. The one that left tiny little seeds all over, over the back car. seat of yeah. my car. Yes. Yes, that one. <laughs> so I put I put a goodly handful of that in. So the formula has mostly Mormon tea and, and mullen in it. Mm-hmm. And mullen is also like a good anti-inflammatory for the lungs. And I used mullen partly too to target the formula so it would go to my lungs. Because the other three have affinity for a lot like are larger, not just lung formulas as far as I understand. I'm not super well versed on desert herbs. But mm. so I figured, well, I'll throw the mullen in there just to make sure that the formula is going in the right direction in the right place. Yeah. And so. my clinic we make a syrup that is very popular as a cough syrup that has mm-hmm. OSHA or OSHALA, depending on which one we get donated and mullen. Nice. And that that's people just they love that. It works really great. And this is the people that primarily use this one, because I have a couple of different cough syrups that I have, you know, depending on the type of cough, you know, whether it's productive or it's, you know, you've got dry, so it's yeah. not, it's not phlegm, it's just a dry throat sure. and varying populations that have come through. Ella campaign, I usually throw into one, but this one, the OSHA and Mullen. Wow. For people that are living unhoused and don't have any, any protection around them. Right. That one has been very, very popular. Nice. Nice. And I keep thinking I should put something in it so it doesn't taste so horrible, but they do not care. <laughs> They're just like, I want that OSHA stuff. Nice. Like, no. Yeah. It tastes nasty. It works. Yeah. It works. As long as it works. Look at me breathing. That matters. Yay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I have to give uh, Christina, I got to give you a quick shout out and say, yes, I do like the Mormon tea and Yerba Santa together. Even when I didn't have, I did one brief time where I didn't have anything else with them and they were tasty mm. and they were definitely the, the Mormon tea has got a bit of a zing to it. So. It does. And it has a slightly sweet taste to it, at least yes. when you're initially making it. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, yeah. I've, I've I harvested that before. And one of the things that's kind of fun about it is it has these little joints and when it's time to harvest it, like the stuff that we got was from Utah. Yeah. There's these little holes in those joints of the the uh-huh. branch branches because it's kind of a tumbleweedy looking thing. And that's the there's some kind of wasp that uh, lives in it interesting. in the Mormon tea plant itself and right. it pops like the baby pops out. And when uh-huh. the baby pops out and you can see that hole then that's it's when time. it's time to harvest it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So fun. Yeah. Well, what I noticed about it was that um, I tried it. I've been taking it. This particular version of this infusion that I did was for this week. But, you know, over the last couple of weeks, I had the beginning of hay fever season. So one day I, I can feel it. The next day, not so much. Another day on the days where I couldn't really feel it. That's when the uh, Mormon tea gave me the zing. Mm. And on the days when I had symptoms, like today, I'm not feeling any of it. There's nice. not no zing, and you don't miss it. No, I'm, <laughs> the zing actually was uncomfortable because it kind of gave me sort of heart palpitations, like oh. just the beginning. It didn't, there wasn't full on heart palpitations, uh-huh. but it was like, oh, you know, that's not fun. That's gonna be hard to sleep. Right, <laughs> right, know? right. It does have so. a speedy effect, and yeah. people that are listening are probably thinking, well, Mormon tea, that's ephedra, and that's illegal in the United States. Ephedra sinensis right. is illegal, and there's far, far more of the ephedrins that are in, yeah, yeah. pseudoephedrins that are in the uh, um, the ephedrin, ephedra sinensis, as opposed to our native ephedra yeah. species, the ephedra nevadensis, nevadensis, and then there's one that starts with a V. 
Yeah, a couple of different remember. varieties. Yeah. That, two different varieties that are not varieties, species that are here native in the United States. And there's not as much in it, but you do still need to watch how much you're putting in your body because yeah. it can cause some tachycardia. So you have to be careful about that. But nothing like the, if you're working with a, a Fedra sinensis, then please work with a TCM practitioner, a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner, because they'll be able to help you. It's They'll have a formula that balances formula. that. Exactly. It yeah. And it, it'll yeah. be based not only on the type of um, respiratory issues you have, but also your body weight, et cetera. Yeah. So it's yeah. not just throwing this herb on one herb will fix all your things. It's, right. It's a, a whole more holistic approach, which we at the Practical Herbalist always encourage. Yes. Now a word from Thomas Easley about the Journal of Functional Herbalism. The Journal of Functional Herbalism is a free online journal promoting the integration of traditional Western herbalism, clinical nutrition, and functional medicine. It's published by the Eclectic School of Herbal Medicine, and you can find the Journal of Functional Herbalism at functionalherbalism.com. Now it's time for Herbal 101, a chance for listeners to ask Candace and Sue their herbal questions. Today's question comes from Shirley. Shirley asks, how much echinacea is safe to take daily in capsule forms at about 380 milligrams? Candace, Sue, I think this is more of a complicated question than... Than as simple as here. Yeah, it's probably not really quite that simple. So for the echinacea, we've actually heard a couple of different myths throughout the years, and I know I have perpetuated some of them myself um, about how it will only last for a couple of days and then it's no good anymore and all kinds of stuff about it. But let's address this concern first, and that is uh, for your dehydrated powders, which go into your capsules, and there's a difference between a capsule and then a, um, ta- a tablet, the capsule you can open up and see the powder inside of it. Right. And that one you can take up to 300 milligrams. And I know that yours says 380 milligrams, but you know, bear with me with a few milligrams there three times a day, which is a total of 900 milligrams a day. And then from the site that I'm looking at here, it says, or you could take 500 milligrams three times a day for a total of 1,500 milligrams a day. And Candice, you were saying that sounded like a lot to you. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty heavy dose. Yeah, this is, uh, the information here is from examine.com. And there's quite a few references on the site for that. So uh, we'll put those links in the show notes um, so people can review that for themselves and make their own judgments. I think the real questions you need to be asking at this point on the amount that you want to take is why are you taking it and how big of a person are you? Right. Good because point. in all honesty, if my mother and my husband were the two people that we're talking about, I mean, my husband's like three times the size of my mother. Mm-hmm. She's a very small woman. Right, so, right. so, you know, how big are you? If you're a smaller person, my guess is you probably want to go with a lighter dose rather mm-hmm. than the heavier. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're a really a larger person, you know, the heavier dose might be, make sense. If mm-hmm. you're a younger person with robust health, you may not actually need as much to get your body stimulated to give the, get the white blood cell count up and do what it wants to do. Right. But then again, if your health is more frail, yeah, I'd be careful. Right. You know, try a little bit and then maybe try a slightly higher dose and maybe slightly higher dose. Mm-hmm. But go carefully with it because your 
your body may not tolerate it well. That's true. Or, you know, you don't want to set off like, you don't want to create an, an immune craziness in your system. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. You don't want to overreact, overstimulate. Yeah. And it's not for people with um, autoimmune diseases. There are people right. that make tons of white blood cells. Uh, like I don't take echinacea and the reason is because I have osteoporosis or osteoporosis. I have uh, osteoarthritis, which is an immune deficiency. So I, I make enough white blood cells already. Thank you very much. And that's yeah. why I have aches in between my joints. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind also. And um, also it, folks who have been on like transplants, right. that sort of thing. Again, you know, yeah. if you're taking, if you need to take immune suppressants for any reason, then mm-hmm. obviously echinacea is not going to be your friend. Right. If you're going to go in for blood testing, you don't want your white blood cell count to be high because the doctor will assume from the lab that you have, you have a high blood cell, white blood cell count because you're ill. That's right. what your body does is it makes more white blood cells when you're ill. Right. If you're going onto a plane and you're concerned about that, then sure, taking echinacea for a couple of days before getting onto a plane, even a heavy dose because you're only going to be doing it for a couple of days, whatever, that's fine. It might fine. be fine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but for uh, a, a daily tonic, as, as Candace has mentioned before, that's, it's not, echinacea is not necessarily suited for that. Right. Yeah. David Hoffman says it best. It's not for use as a daily tonic. It's for acute. And when signs of an infection have already started or there's an expectation of an acute infection mm-hmm. about to begin. So, you know, boiling that down to simple speak, if you're about to be around or you have been around people who have clearly have infections like flus and colds, echinacea makes sense. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about, oh, you know, it's back to school time and we're already a month into the school year, yeah, there might be a lot of flus and colds around you, but echinacea is not going to be like, you don't want to take it for nine months. Right. You know, I mean. Yeah. Because, <laughs> it, it, you know, the the one of the ways that our, our body works that, that I think this information is, is not circulated as well is your your body has different places where it generates white blood cells. And there are these wonderful white blood cells that are made in your thigh bone, in the marrow of your thigh bone, and that is stimulated by the echinacea. So neutrophils are those white blood cells. They're very short-lived. They only last a couple of days. And in the study that some people have really poorly quoted, uh, what the people did was they, they gave people echinacea for five days in a row, and then they charted um, how long it was um, that their white blood cell count was up for. And they said, oh, at 10 days, it's done. So that's how long it lasts in the system. That doesn't mean that echinacea should only be taken for 10 days. That just means right. that that's how long it stays in your system. So that information gives you an idea. If you've got a trip coming, then you you take it for a couple of days. And if the trip was like two weeks or whatever, well, there you go. There's, there's your 10 days right there. You're going to have a nice, healthy white blood cell count. And even though those those neutrophils only last for a couple of days, they are replaced by other things like lymphocytes and some, uh, you know, your your body has a complex system in order to save you from disease. So all you have to do is kind of give it a little push, right. you know, if you're a relatively healthy person. Um, there's uh, a bunch of things that you could take with it. If you're really sick, for example, I'm thinking about echinacea is a, a nice thing to take if you're sick or you're exposed to something intense, Mm -hmm. but throwing andrographis at it as well as a herb that we use a lot in the clinic. And that's for someone that has, it's a cold, but it's just like destroying them. 
you know, mm-hmm. whether they, it's because they have a cold and they have to go to work anyway, or, you know, they've got five kids and they're just like, ah, I can't deal with this. So andrographis yeah. is a really great thing. It's kind of like a life preserver. You add that on top of echinacea and elderberry. And right. that's a, a fabulous formula to use. And it's also good for helping people recover from flus as well. So those are my three favorites mm-hmm. for that. Uh, do you have anything more that you like adding to echinacea? I have to admit, I don't use it a lot. Yeah. It's not one of my favorites. Not that I have anything against it, but when I was first studying it, it was a time when echinacea was um, had been overharvested in oh, yeah. the Midwest. And so I just ended up saying, you know, it's a member of a family to which I have known allergens. And I figured oh, I don't really need to work with that family. There's so many other wonderful ways to support the immune system. Mm-hmm. If you're really looking, in my opinion, if you're really looking for a good daily tonic to help your immune system, astragalus is a good place to look. Astragalus, yeah. It's an adaptogenetic style herb that works with the helping to build the immune system and you just take a little bit of it every day and you can take it every day for the rest of your life. You can use it tonic as yeah. a tonic. Great. Yeah. That's a good thing to keep in mind. So yeah, um, also we want to throw out there this the person that called in or that wrote in, they had asked about capsules in particular mm-hmm. and we have a, a little bias against some of the capsules because they can sit around for a long time. Uh, they're usually harvested in September or in the fall, and then they are dried and then sent to um, an encapsulator. And then from there, it's it goes to the distribution warehouse. And then from there, it goes to the store. And who knows how long it'll sit on the shelf. Right. So, you know, with echinacea particularly is sensitive to heat. Right. So if you've got heat and cold and heat and cold, like traveling in a truck or something like that, it's really a good idea to open up your capsule and then check some of that powder on your tongue. If you feel a tingling, then you've got some good quality echinacea. If you don't feel much, then, uh, well, yeah, at least you can take a higher good. dose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's a, it, it is a fine herb. And I think that the eclectics were the people that kind of pushed that herb for a lot of people. It can be used topically mm-hmm. as well. Uh, people yeah. used to use it for snake bites or or skin infections or things like yeah. that, and you just moisten it and put it on the on whatever wound you might have. Um, not I don't put it on open wounds, but like um, rashes or small bites or things like that. And I expect you could put messy. it on an open wound too. I would probably put it on more as a like a tea. Oh, I'd probably yeah. you know make it into a wash like for a compress. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. But it's not going to harm an open wound. Let's yeah. Put it that getting way. the the gritty stuff. When it's if you really put, deep. If you put the gritty stuff in, but you also include yarrow with it, the body will tend to reject or, or slowly, as the yarrow pulls everything together, it usually pushes out all the crud. Right. So it's like if you, yeah, so if you have like fallen and scraped your knee really bad and you've got the bits of gravel and crud in mm-hmm. there, instead of sitting there picking them out. Oh, don't do that. That's a terrible yeah, thing to do. Instead of doing that, use the yarrow and mm-hmm. you could, in theory, you could use echinacea. As yeah. part of that infusion And a saline blood. rinse is really good, yeah. which is just salt and water. Right. And it, boy, does that, you know, people use it in an emergency room. So mm-hmm. why not add some, you know, brew up your yarrow tea and throw some salt in there. And boy, mm-hmm. people aren't, are going to probably share some swear words with you whilst you are treating them. Right. But it's a fabulous way to help people out. Yeah, you can do with yarrow, you can use the whole plant. I mean, I've done that before. Oh, and I've really heard the of, roots too. Well, not I shouldn't say the whole plant. You can the use aerial parts. You can take the aerial parts and you know blender them if they're fresh or tea, but with the parts with the plant parts in it, and just stick the whole thing on there. Uh huh. 
I've done that. Other huh. people, I've, I've heard from, there are other herbalists I know that have done that to good effect. So Yeah, we've, we've mm. used uh, combined echinacea with a couple of other plants and included that with uh, activated charcoal. Mm. And the clinic to, to use it as a um, something to draw stuff out of fairly yeah. extreme wounds. But we're yep. washing that. Oh, the the charcoal though, man, it stains. Oh yeah, it stains everything. That would. Yeah. Yeah, yarrow doesn't stain. No, it doesn't. That's a, that's no. one nice thing. About well. it. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, thank you to. Uh, I have to look at it here. Shirley, thank you, Shirley, for your question. It was really fun to to talk about that. And as always, put an herb on it. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication. Or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem, any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.